It's November it's November 2nd, 2016. And welcome to another edition of Bite Marks Cafe, where we serve you the first bite of today's science and technology. I'm Bert Lum. And I'm Ryan Ozawa. To kick off today's show, we're going to hear about a couple of upcoming events. Darcy Scharfenstein will provide us with an update on the Entrepreneurs Foundation. Then we have Kenneth Wong here to tell us about the next Startup Weekend. And then after the break, we'll find out about an interesting project that brought together tech and Hawaiian culture called Purple Prize. We, of course, always welcome your comments or questions as part of that conversation. You can contact us by calling in or sending us a tweet after the break. Of course, uh, first we want to start with uh, Darcy. And Darcy, she's the president and executive director of Entrepreneur Foundation. And she's here to tell us about her upcoming event. But first off, Darcy, I mean, this is the first time we've actually had you on. We had people come on and talk about uh, Entrepreneur Foundation, but... Uh, we've worked our way up the ranks. We've worked our way up the ranks. Uh, so maybe, well, welcome, Darcy, to Bite Marks Cafe. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Oh, good. Tell us a little bit about uh, Entrepreneur Foundation for any of our listeners that might be new to the concept. Sure. Um, so our mission is to provide entrepreneurs a solid foundation from the beginning of their business mm-hmm. to become great philanthropists and community servants. Um, we believe that that creates a higher return for themselves as a growing business, as well as contributes to the community at large. Mm-hmm. So we work with startups and entrepreneurs to be able to incorporate service from the very beginning. They don't need to wait till they make their first million to start giving back. So it's the effort to kind of get the startups into a social consciousness and uh, how to maybe develop their business around the social good. Absolutely. I mean, in Hawaii, you know, we're such a close-knit community, and it's really important for us to be a part of the community that we serve, whether that be through our business or through our nonprofit. Mm -hmm. So uh, we feel that there's a really symbiotic relationship there, and as uh, startups and entrepreneurs are so innovative in problem-solving and really trying to meet the needs of some larger social issues that we might be facing here in Hawaii, like for instance, homelessness or um, other social issues that are that that you know government and business working together are working to solve. We feel that entrepreneurs and startups also have something to add to that. Mm-hmm. And as a foundation, I know one of the things that I believe I, I could be wrong. You can correct me that you know there are many foundations that fundraise and fund their activities through fundraising. But I know that the Entrepreneurs Foundation also gets supported by members member organizations that maybe have 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 been startups that contribute stock and their success helps uh, power your success, correct? Absolutely. So really our foundation was founded on the principle of equity. So uh, it was very popular in Silicon Valley and other parts of the world, Israel and Texas, um, and many, many other entrepreneurs' foundations around the globe. And so about 11 uh, to 12 years ago, John Dean Mm -hmm. um, and Leanne Miyasato, the former executive director, Mm -hmm. went on a fact-finding mission. They went to Silicon Valley and said, hey, how is this model working? Um, And they brought it here home to Hawaii. Mm -hmm. So um, really it was founded on this idea of... If we can um, have companies commit to making a 1% pledge at the onset of their business, that when they reach some sort of liquidity or exit, that that 1% then goes to setting up a philanthropy or a foundation of their Mm. very own. And so our equity model is really um, also funding the nonprofit foundation that 
that I'm blessed to work for. So, so your uh, the 1% kind of goes, you said to not only the Entrepreneur Foundation, but to their own sort of fund or foundational formation? Exactly. So the idea is that once they've reached that level of um, success, mm-hmm. that they then set up their own foundation in order to give back to the community. So um, so that's the equity model. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And um, since I've joined, um, you know, we do believe um, our board has spent a lot of time really reflecting and looking at the ecosystem, looking at the current state of affairs for our startups and our entrepreneurs. And really saying that, you know, here in Hawaii, we do a great job of starting up companies. We really, you know, we there are accelerators, mm-hmm. there is a lot of resources for companies to start up. And so really, um, how can we start working with companies at an earlier stage in their evolution so that we can start actually doing service activities from the very beginning? Mm-hmm. So what is coming up on Thursday is your signature event, your annual fundraising event. And it includes a couple of key ingredients, I think, that both startups and entrepreneurs would be interested in. Tell us about it. Sure. So tomorrow we have um, some of Hawaii's top. Oh, tomorrow, yes. Yeah. <laughs> tomorrow night we have some of Hawaii's top entrepreneurial CEOs and companies, investors. And it's really just um, a time to be together and enjoy each other's company at the end of the year. Um, celebrate everyone's successes. We have some silent auction items. Um, we've had some very generous donors, wine experiences. Um, Chef Adam of Aloha Food Truck um, will be there and we'll be auctioning and experience with him. Um, and and likewise, all kinds of entrepreneurs will be there and their items featured. Uh, folks will be bidding. And um, we have some very generous donors, Bennett Woe and John Dean, um, who have donated um, not only to have our space, but wine. And um, so there'll be wine to bid on, wine to drink, and wine to share. <laughs> so wine tasting. So yeah. There should be some wine there. Now, who yeah. are some of the uh, portfolio companies that uh, you know have been part of Entrepreneur Foundation? And, and the EF has been around for probably like the last maybe 10 or so years? Yeah. So we've been around for 11 years. Um, and so one you might know is Hoku Scientific. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were you know really just such a shining example of um, success for Hawaii. I think that was a Real success for Hawaii and, and of course for our foundation. Um, and that was Dustin Shindo. Correct. Okay. Yeah. Uh, we also have Cardex from Pharmaceuticals, uh-huh. um, Avalor Energy, Dolly Wireless, um, Pipeline FX, um, Sky Ventures. It's all about kids. We also have, um, you know, Hawaii Biotech, um, Pro Service, White Hat, um, Security, Kinetic Core, Switchfly, Soundpaper, SBI, Sound just paper. to name a few. <laughs> yeah, yeah. These, and again, for those who are familiar with our, uh, our our startup or entrepreneurial community, many of these are, are fairly well known and have, have uh, seen some success for sure. Absolutely. And we would not exist without the success of our member companies. So we're really just so grateful to these equity member companies who have really taken a stance and said, you know, I'm committed to Hawaii. I'm committed to giving back. I'm committed to philanthropy. And it's really um, quite admirable. Mm-hmm. Now, are there any programs uh, besides this event that's coming up tomorrow that you offer the portfolio companies to kind of get them on the right track to not, not only you know be socially conscious, but how do they actually go about doing that in a in a tactical way? Right. So, you know, when our organization was founded, it was really 
about this idea of mentorship. So we had, you know, some pretty amazing board members um, who were able to provide mentorship to these companies, help them out along the way, help them find financing, branding, marketing, whatever it was that they needed to take their business to the next level. And as I mentioned earlier, um, we're really excited to kind of be able to open our doors up to earlier stage companies and those companies who are just getting started. And so as we start to shift into a new way of being for 2017, we're going to make those same kind of resources available to all entrepreneurs and startups throughout the state. So we're going to connect them with services, strategies, and financial support. Um, we're also going to help them create tangible strategies for growth and sustainability. Um, and then on the nonprofit side, I'm really quite excited about this, actually. We really want to focus on um, bringing a pool of startups um, innovators to kind of mastermind and tackle some of the issues that are facing our communities and really shine a light on how some of our startups and entrepreneurs can help to solve those bigger social problems by helping out nonprofits and uh, demonstrating their skill set in a very tangible way. Mm-hmm. So for people to support this uh, great cause, and I'm, I'm very excited to hear about this expansion, sort of the, the broadening of the tent to include earlier stage companies, even perhaps, you know, Prior to being fully understanding what their company might be, uh, they can uh, people can participate in this annual uh, wine reception and silent auction. So again, you said it's tomorrow. Uh, what do people need to know to attend? Right. So they can just come to our website efhawaii.org. E for entrepreneurs. F for foundation and hawaii.org, efhawaii.org. The information is right there on our homepage. Um, Tickets right now are $75, but for all Bite Marks listeners, um, we have a $10 off. um, Wow. Yeah, Yeah. so um, EF special, so it will be $65. I think the price raises tomorrow um, at the door, you know, to $100. But, but yeah, if they act now, um, they can attend, and um, we look forward to having everyone. Great. Absolutely. EFHawaii.org. We'll put that up on our show notes. And uh, I think the, you gave me a promo code, so maybe I'll put that up and that'll help people to uh, register. Perfect. Fantastic. Thank you, Darcy, for joining us. All right. Thank you. And, of course, next up we have Kenneth Huang who joins us. And, of course, he is the main man, the brains behind. The next generation. The next generation startup weekend. And, and he's here to tell us about uh, what's planned for the next startup weekend. Welcome to the show, Kenneth. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, Bert, for having me and Ryan. Absolutely. So we understand that you have uh, picked up the torch. You've received the torch from Brian Butling, who we've had many times uh-huh. on the show to talk about Startup Weekend. So first of all, I'm kind of curious about that transition. Is Brian now walking the earth or is he still actively involved? <laughs> how, how How is that going in terms of uh, moving into the next phase of Startup Weekend Honolulu? Well, I can say that Brian is still on on the earth, walking with us, um, <laughs> on um, probably on a higher level than um, where he was before. But he's still at a very mentorship level to us, to mm-hmm. the team, as we put on more and more events uh, year after year. So, what inspires you to pick up that mantle? Um, a lot of what Brian was doing, a lot of what Startup Weekend as a global event meant to a lot of communities around the world. It's really about building um, smart communities from the ground up. Um, with new ideas, new new entrepreneurs, new people getting involved, That's and 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 you know, startup weekend. It's been around for maybe about the last three or four or five years. Can you give us a quick uh, level set on what is it that you might expect if you were to participate in a startup weekend? Um, so startup weekend, the format is um, kind of like your your really down to earth boot camp on how a startup 
um, functions, how it begins, how it runs, um, how your ideas get evolved. Um, what you get out of the weekend is a lot of it is going to be, again, networking, mm-hmm. um, but also a lot of mentorship from people in the community that you may not be able to reach out to just on, in, individually by yourself. Um, so it creates a great environment for people to come in, share their ideas, um, network, meet people that may be able to help them out, and then really see where that idea or their business can go. So it's a, an event that takes place over the weekend. So it's perhaps maybe 48 to 52 hours or something like that. And is the objective to start a business or is the objective to really just have the experience of what it might be like to start something up in 48 hours? So the objective is kind of um, both, both sides to it. Um, when you come in, your goal is to look into starting a startup or looking to build something that could be um, a startup on its own legs. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But the journey, the process is really about discovery and self-learning to see if this is really what's for you. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, ideas, teams, um, how you execute will determine you know, how you, where you go afterwards. But that whole process is what the weekend is about. Now, I know a lot of people come to a startup weekend with an idea in mind or even a fully formed team. What is the, where is the place in a startup weekend for someone who's just kind of completely independent, new maybe to the community, new to the idea, who just sort of walks in off the street on Friday? Is there a role for them to play? So what, what startup weekend, what we're trying to focus or cater to is the individual that's coming off the street. Um, when someone with an idea that wants to explore and share it and form a team to grow it. Um, we try to discourage people that already have formed teams oh, or formed okay. ideas just because the event is to bring new people in, kind of what you would consider half-baked versus fully-baked sure. ideas. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, if you are, let's say, coming in, you have a a quarter or half-baked idea. <laughs> and you We have wa- many of those. Yes, all the time. We welcome those, yeah. And you come in, you sort of form a team. But even the team is really undefined because you don't know who's there. You might... I know when I went through a startup weekend, you basically put your idea out there. You, you in, in essence, you know, put a little sign on yourself saying, hey, you know, this is my idea. And you have people maybe join your team. Now, of course, <clears throat> that's just a team. And that's the team that you go forward with in startup weekend. But that may not be the company that ultimately takes this idea forward if you were to take it forward. Tell me, tell me a little bit about that, that sort of um, dynamic between the team and then sort of after the startup weekend, how does that company actually start? I mean, and there are probably some, some weeding that needs to happen. So the teams that form, um, when you have a group of people that get together and they choose an idea or they vote on ideas that would seem viable, mm-hmm. the teams that form you know, could be people you don't know, could be someone you do know. Um, depending who uh, comes to the event, and you work on that project or you work on an idea and you build something at the end. Um, between you and your team, uh, that's where you would work out, you know, who's going to take this further. Are you going to all continue as a team? Are you going to kind of go your own ways and then someone else takes that idea by themselves? So as a team, you have to work out on, oh, that's all gonna on the down. Sunday night. Yeah, Right, yeah. I mean, you know, at a more fundamental level, the team has to figure out like who's going to present, who's going to do the tech, who's going to actually come up with the business plan, right? So, so that's part of the, the 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 work for the weekend. But then after the weekend, I think there's a, a a period of time where you get together and say, hey, so 
who wants to stay together as a team, possibly mm-hmm. to form a company. And there have been, I know, of many teams that have come out to form companies. Mm-hmm. Some have gone into accelerator programs. Yes. So they came to Startup Weekend not really sure what they were doing, but by the end they said, okay, we are co-founders of an actual enterprise and we want to see if there's a future here. So yes, on yes. Sunday, though, the, that's when it all comes together, when they have to show what they've designed, built, and pitch uh, their startups. Um, and, I, and there's going to be a panel of judges, correct? Yes. So a lot of times the panel of judges that we will have, it will be people in the community, community mm-hmm. leaders, um, leaders of the accelerator programs that you mentioned. Also, you know, thought leaders, investors that have been in the um, space for quite some time. Mm-hmm. And do uh, winners of Startup Weekend, what, what they have bragging rights for sure. Yes. So a lot of it is going to be bragging rights. Um, obviously, the bragging rights give them a uh, part of self-confidence to mm-hmm. continue on. Mm-hmm. Um, but also a lot of services that are provided um, to see if you know this idea can be something that they um, go on as a team with or continue on for the next three, six months or longer. Okay, so Kenneth, so tell us the details. Where, when is this taking all all taking place? So it's going to take place next week, uh, next November eleventh to okay. the thirteenth. Now, eleventh is what? Uh, is that the it's Veterans Day? Veterans Day, yes. Friday. Yes. Friday? So okay. we're we're doing um, an outreach to our military community here as well mm-hmm. to see if. Um, they want to get involved with entrepreneurship in this ecosystem. And, and is the kickoff, the kickoff is at uh, Agora or is that, where's the kickoff? The kickoff will be at the Kakaako Agora. Mm-hmm. Um, it's in, right in the middle of Kakaako, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. very Cook centrally Street. located. Okay. Very good. And then the, and then what, everybody kind of breaks out into uh, yep. uh, box jelly and does the hard, uh, the hard labor the of hacking. Of, Yes. Forming something, and then uh, and then you have a you come back, reconvene, and then there's like a demo demo day, right? Demo day, yes. Oh, okay. So where uh, can people go to learn more information? You can learn more at www.swhnl.com, or you can register direct at register.swhnl.com. Yeah, we'll put that up on our show notes. Absolutely. So everybody can go and participate in Startup Weekend. Thanks, Kenneth, for yeah, joining no us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Very good. And of course, we'll take a short break, and when we return. We'll be talking about the Purple Prize, a new twist on the hackathon that blends Hawaiian culture and technology. How can the principles of Aloha Aina influence the technology that's built? We, of course, love your thoughts or questions as part of that conversation. You can give us a call at 941-3689 or reach us toll-free from the neighbor islands at 877-941-3689. And, of course, we're live here in the studio. You can tweet us your questions at ByteMarks or at Hawaii. This is ByteMarks Cafe. The breadth of programming that's available on Hawaii Public Radio. It fits almost any business, and in the end, you're doing good both for yourself and for the community. It's a nice feeling all the way around. This is Bill Comstock. I'm with the Alamoana Hotel, and we underwrite a wonderful program called Helping Hands. Hawaii Public Radio Underwriting. Your message heard here. Learn more at hawaiipublicradio.org. With what seems to be daily October surprises, are you feeling that our local election is getting short shrift? Our panel will remedy that with a look and a listen to what's taking your attention, even if it's, oh, please, let all of this be over soon. It will be in less than a week when we meet for Town Square, Thursday at 5. Support for Bite Marks Cafe comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, whose contributors help Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk show programming. 
Mahalo to the St. Andrews Schools, which includes the Priory School for Girls, the Prep for Boys, and Queen Emma Preschool. Welcome back to Bite Marks Cafe. I'm Bert Lum. And I am Ryan Ozawa. And joining us today are Dale Nahooleva and uh, Ray Estrella. They're joining us by phone uh, from Maui. And, of course, we have in the studio Nicole Horry and Keola Raposo. Of course, Dale's team built something called IoT Sensors for Wetlands. And Ray Estrella and his team uh, built something called Ea Kavai, and we will ask him about exactly what that does. Nicole, meanwhile, was a part of a team that built Garden Hui, and Keola Raposo was a juror for the Purple Prize. Of course, we'd love to hear your comments and questions if you're not watching the game. <laughs> to join us, and of course, that number is 941-3689 on Oahu or 877-941-3689 from the neighbor islands. Of course, we want to welcome you all to Bite Marks Cafe. Hey, everybody. This Thank you. Dale. Great. So um, let's uh, kind of get a, a sense of what the Purple Prize was all about. Now, we, we've had Purple Maya, the, the um, organization that really hosted this event. And I don't know, uh, Keola, do you want to say anything about Purple Maya? I mean, what is it that they, they – what's their main focus maybe of what they do? I think what they're trying to do is connect um, a, a cultural aspect or a solution – um, via technology. Mm-hmm. And they do a lot of work with schools. So, Ryan, I know you had your kids attend a couple of workshops at yep, Purple they've Maya. they've done things with little bits. They've done coding workshops. They do a really, really good job working with uh, Kamehameha schools mm-hmm. or, or, or other communities. They're definitely a startup technology education nonprofit mm-hmm. and really mm-hmm. bringing technology to underserved communities, indigenous communities, and, and raising them up is absolutely their mission. And their focus seems to be more toward younger students as opposed to college-age students. I mean, you know, there's elementary, middle, and Well, high they started school. with middle schools, Jared Elementary, Palolo in Palolo, for example, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. they're they're pretty widespread. My daughter Katie came to some events. My youngest twelve year twelve year old son Alex went to some events. So yeah, they're, I I loved just the overall focus for sure. Now, I uh, when I heard about the uh, Purple Prize, I I was very attracted to it uh, because it it took the concept of the hackathon, which you know we typically hear about. It's like a forty eight hour fifty you know fifty two hour event. People live on Red Bull and they are intensely <laughs> sequestered in a in a room somewhere to uh work on a a project and who knows yeah, if they sh- who knows if they shower i mean you know they they're they're given some pizza and some red bull and expected to really power through those 52 hours uh but the purple prize really took a new approach to the idea of of doing kind of a code challenge which which introduced this cultural value so um Kiola, i mean Tell, tell us a little bit about, you know, what some of that cultural connection you wanted to impart on the participants. I think I'm a, well, for, for myself, I'm a huge um, proponent of IP. And I believe that um, being Kanaka and living in 2016, that IP is very important. IP, you're, you're talking about intellectual uh, intellectual property. property mm-hmm. And how we use it um, in today's format is is increasingly becoming more important especially with social media and all these new platforms that are coming out. So um, to be able to roll that into um, a solution via some cultural um, aspect of, of checking the pH levels in water or um, managing a, a gardening um, society, which, 
which they 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 presented, or um, creating creating um, a fun app on how to um, uh, view the winds or the rains or just an educational platform, but doing it in a in, in this new fun um, format is very it's 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 very inspiring, but it all has a cultural undertone mm-hmm, to it, mm-hmm. which makes it. Which which takes it to that next level. Mm-hmm. Now, I, the reason why I knew that this hackathon, and I'm not sure if they even call it a hackathon, but this twist on it was something different, was the launch day. You were there. Nicole was there. Many, Of course, it was many participants there, my daughter and I. But before we got to the Red Bull and pizza, basically, before we got to talking about apps and frameworks and designs and, and technology, it started very differently, including learning about the LOE uh, at the Center for Hawaiian Studies at UH. And Keola, you were among the panelists that gave a very insightful, I think, kind of overview of why, of things that people should keep in mind when they participate in the Purple Prize. Can you share a little bit of some of the ideas that were expressed that day to, to get everyone in the right mindset? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think just proper protocol and intent, like setting your intent, um, was very important for the entire program. That was the launch day. Um, and then implementing some of the ideas um, into a more culturally significant solution. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, that that was that was one of the that was one of the inspiring um, aspects as being a panelist and seeing how the, you connect some storytelling to um, a solution-based app or someone who's just doing some coding. I mean, it all to me. Mm-hmm. There's some real tie-in to it. Mm-hmm. Now, the uh, the concept of Aloha Aina, I think, played into the framework of Purple Prize. Is that is that a correct assessment? I think all of it had uh, had some strong undertones of of giving giving back. You know, malama in the aina, uh-huh. um, different ways of doing that through through the land, water, um, storytelling, and also people. Um, there was some some cool concepts about connecting people and um, finding the right the right, for lack of a better term, algorithms with human mm-hmm. with human interaction. Mm-hmm. I mean, I thought that was pretty cool. Well, I definitely wanted to hear now from people who participated. Right. What kind of drew them, Nicole? You know, I think your background is nuclear engineering. Um, I've seen you at all the different hackathons, whether it's campaign finance data or geolocations or traffic signs or even LEDs libraries or I mean, libraries, <laughs> farmers so, markets. So what? What drew you to the Purple Prize and to get in there with uh, with us in the mud, you know, <laughs> cleaning a Oh, uh, The kickoff day um, was just amazing as a fun experience to work with people and um, in, enjoy um, all the aspects of Hawaiian culture that the center there is um, able to share with people. And it was wonderful hearing people's perspectives on the goals of the project. So... Um, not only were we thinking about you know ways that um, we could you know maybe build a project that um, tells a story or build a project that um, supports um, the watershed, it was um, all about listening to other people and their ideas. So I came in. I had an interest in doing something that would help Kupuna, mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And one of my friends was interested in something that would help with uh, food security and providing food for the community. And so I think that, you know, even if you have different goals coming in, you might end up with a project that then, you know, fits both of those um, ideals. Right. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Now we're talking to... Uh, Kiola Raposo, and of course, uh, he's a juror for the Purple Prize and had a good sense of the overall objective here. And of course, Nicole Hori is uh, one of the participants, and her project was called Garden Hui. And, uh, and we have uh, Dale Naoleva also on the line from Maui, who also uh, uh, came up with a project called IOT for Wetlands. But we want to encourage you, if you have a comment or question, to give us a call here. That number is 941-3689 on Oahu or from the neighbor islands, 877-941-3689. Now, Dale, you do, you are on Maui, and of course I love Maui. and I You'll am, be there in a couple I of days. We'll be there in a couple of hours, <laughs> I think. <laughs> you know, so, so Dale, okay. um, how did you get involved? I mean, you know, I, and I, I'm just happy that we can offer this to everybody in the state. And But sometimes, you know, us, uh, you know on Oahu, it tends, tends to be a little bit... Um, easier to access some of the resources that might be available, you know, whether it's visiting in Lo'i or whatever. But how did you get attracted to this, and how did you feel that you could actually participate in it? So um, I was introduced to it by my partner, Alex Cabello. Mm-hmm. Um, he was um, he's involved with the um, Accelerate UH um, program. Ah, yes. And um, he keeps track of many things, um, including these types of projects. And um, we were talking one day. I'm having coffee, and he had mentioned this project. And by chance, I had just taught a class um, at UH Maui College that had to do with um, using small distributed deployable sensors out in the real world to just take some basic measurements. And I wanted a way of trying to, you know, apply that in the real world. And then, you know, being a Hawaiian and being part of a, a hui here on Maui that's um, – looks to promote Malama Aina, it just seemed like the perfect fit at the perfect time. So we went for it. That was our motivation. It was, you know, right for the the challenge, and mm. uh, I think we brought the skills to you know, put together an interesting project. And I do want to talk a little bit of how it was a- you were able to participate, how that worked between Maui and Honolulu and the other islands. But, uh, Ray, uh, can you tell us your, your story and how uh, – ah, okay – I'll redirect then. <laughs> uh, so, well, let's get back to you, Dale, then. So when you built, uh, when you came and you understood how this could fit into your own interests, what was it that you eventually proposed to build for the Purple Prize? Okay, I guess, so the whole motivation was, so how do we, how do we get um, not only um, land stewards or caretakers, but just people in general more in touch with the Aina? You know, because in our on daily lives nowadays, we're just so overwhelmed with other things that kind of keep us, you know, detached from mm-hmm. those things, from the aina, from cultural practices. And it, you know, it takes a lot of effort and a lot of planning on your part. But I wanted to create a kind of venue or some type of environment in which, you know, if you feel like you have a connection to a certain area, that maybe there is this window into that area in the form of, Initially, it would be you know, sensors measuring certain aspects of that area. But, you know, in the long term, it could build into maybe a more of a, not a virtual, but a window, an actual window into that area. Mm-hmm. 
the idea was to use IoT sensors as a surrogate for us in those areas that we want to participate in. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the initial motivation, and what I'm told later on was probably I made a, a good decision in terms of choosing water quality as our initial, I guess, target, um, because it apparently, you know, it's, it's easier to measure water quality and, and being able to track the, I guess, the health indicators of water more so than like soil or other other aspects of the Aina. So, so being so, able to measure that is what the initial implementation hmm. is trying to do. So Dale, you had the, you had the uh, I think, unique opportunity to connect technology with a wetland or a, a lo'i that you were working with. I, I was kind of curious, maybe, um, uh, Kiola, I mean, in terms of the direction setting for potential teams that uh, are participating. Did you make it any point to point them in a, in a direction of, of um, let's say, was it all about the land or were there other things that they could perhaps explore? Because uh, I, you know, I, 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 I heard that there were some interest in sort of like the moon phases or, or maybe some kupuna stories. So, what was it that you, as one of the sort of the planners and jurors, uh, how did you set the direction for the participants? There was strict criteria. Um, the criteria was uh, creative process. It was it bold and audacious? Mm-hmm. Was it useful and impactful to many? And then how pono was it? So we kind of, as jurors, we we sort of filtered all the information that way, and we didn't we. We sort of met a few times during during the development process as just jurors, um, kind of went over things, and we gave just slight direction on what we wanted to see, and I, I and I believe that it was filtered on, um, but I'm not sure how much of it was because mm-hmm. I mean we were looking at it, we were approaching it um, completely blind. It mm-hmm. was just like okay, mm-hmm. let's see this thing. We read it. We're like okay, this is cool. This could be something. Um, if they focus more on the sharing of information once they receive the data, um, if there's a network they can build or, you know, however mm-hmm. we could sort of um, expand uh, the impact, expand the impact. Right. Yeah. So so that's an interesting thing. So as jurors, you met and started to think about how you might, you know, you might want to kind of help direct people uh, in terms of what they should focus their attention on. Uh, Nicole, I mean, how did how did that translate to your team? and its development of the Garden garden Hui. Hui. Well, one thing that was really special about this was the fact that we were supported by having uh, mentors and connections with people in the community with that kind of expertise. Mm -hmm. And it's not just the organizers of the event. There there was someone I knew who happened to be at the day we did the presentations, and she, you know, followed up with me afterward and recommended that, you know, I could look into some other um, groups that are working on similar things. Mm -hmm. So especially for our project, where there are so many people who are also working to make Hawaii food independent, to improve our sustainability, improve our knowledge of cultivating both traditional foods and just the ability to feed ourselves in general. Um, From an ecological, from a social perspective, there's so much happening in this space right now that having those connections is... um, something that you know makes us much stronger as a team mm. and helps us to you know um, bring together the 
different threads and also figure out where we fit so that we're not, you know, overlapping too much with what's already being done. So can you tell us a little bit about what the garden uh, who he did or does? <laughs> yeah, you've yes. teased me all the way to this point. And I'm glad Ryan asked that because I was going to ask you that same thing. <laughs> all right. Well, Garden Hui is all about uh, connecting potential growers with um, land and then also potential mentors. So we want to support people, whether they're just getting started or whether they do have experience but really just need some space. Um, I think there's a lot of people here, especially in Honolulu, who live in condos, who really would like to get their hands dirty and grow some food. And there's also a lot of people who have homes who either are too busy or maybe because they're aging in place don't have the energy to take care of things anymore. So it's a huge opportunity if we match these two groups of people up. And we know that every situation is going to be different. You know, in some cases, there will be trees where, you know, they'll need help with the picking. And, you know, other places you might be taking out the grass to put in new beds of produce. But we're hoping that um, we'll just increase the amount of food that's being grown locally and increase people's access to participate in that. So are you mm. are you sort of taking the idea of like a the, the co-op farm to another level where somebody might have a parcel of land but you know they want to open it up to other let's say independent uh, farmers who might want to just farm a parcel of that land. Well, it's not just we we are talking to some people who might be able to provide larger spaces as well. But it's also important to us to take a look at our neighborhoods mm -hmm. and see that actually the land that our houses are built on is often very good, very um, high potential land mm -hmm. that, you know, historically was used to grow a lot of food. So there's no reason we can't take the 50% of the lot that doesn't have a house on it and, you know, try to produce more from that. So so you would encourage that, um, that homeowner who owns that lot to perhaps uh, make it open and available so that there could be more, uh, let's say, produce grown on it? Yes, we're hoping to match people so that mm -hmm. they can have a long-term relationship where you build trust and you um, grow things and share them with everyone involved. Um, we, are, uh, we have GardenHui.com, so people can go mm. sign up and hopefully be connected through that if they don't already have friends um, who might be able to make a recommendation mm -hmm. um, about who they could work with. And then, you know, just... As we grow, um, I expect that there'll be more resources and hopefully more discussion um, to you know as the community helps each other out. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. Now, Dale, I I kind of want to hear what you have in mind in terms of uh, IoT for wetlands and and is it just a, a, a sensor technology or is there sort of a, a community oh. yeah or, or maybe a community involvement? But want to hold that thought. We'll be back. Uh, we want to take a quick break. We'll be back after this short break to continue our conversation with, with Dale, Nicole, and Keola about the Purple Prize and the intersection of culture and technology. Of course, we'd like to hear from you as well. You can call 941-3689 from the neighbor islands. That's 877-941-3689. You can also tweet us. You're listening to Bite Marks Cafe. Lots of college students take out loans to pay for school. Sometimes, though, that very process turns out to be educational. I just took it because it seemed like no one who had that much money would give it away without me probably being able to pay it back easily, you know? I'm Kai Rizdal. How much students actually do know when they take out those loans? The story next time on Marketplace.
This evening at 6, following Bite Marks Cafe. Under consideration on Kauai, allowing micro-homes on already existing residential properties. We'll explore what this means for the Homestead Housing Authority's strategy to get more roofs over more heads. Join us tomorrow morning at 8 on The Conversation. Support for Hawaii Public Radio comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk show programming. Mahalo to contributors Kaiser Permanente and Hastings and Pleadwell, a communication company. Welcome back. This is Bite Marks Cafe. I'm Bert Lum. And I'm Ryan Ozawa, and we are talking about the Purple Prize and bringing Aloha Aina into technology design with Keola Raposo. He's a co-founder and creative director of Fitted and one of the jurors in the Purple Prize. We have Nicole Hori, part of the team that built the Garden Hui, and Dale Naho'oleva, who built IoT sensors for wetlands. And, of course, you can give us a call. That number to reach us here in the studio is 941-3689 on Oahu or 877-941-3689 from the neighbor islands. Right before the break, uh, you know, we're getting kind of a, a sense of, of how Garden Hui works and the community nature of it. And I wanted to reach out to uh, Dale and ask you, Dale, I mean, so with IoT for wetlands, I get the concept that there are sensors. You want to put it out in kind of a, a lo'i or a wetland environment, uh, receive some data around how the sensors might uh, uh, report back on the condition of the water. What else is it that you are aiming to achieve with IoT for wetlands? And and is there a community involvement portion of it, or are you are you focused primarily on the the, the data collection and, and and analysis of that data? No, well, the the data is the data and the infrastructure is the foundation, right? But um, we don't want to stop there. I mean, mm-hmm. really, the motivation is. So why is this data useful? How can we use it to help promote um, better Malama Aina projects or um, help farmers or help um, you know, caretakers of the land do their job, hopefully more effectively? Yeah. Um, it needs to be a tool that's useful for the promotion of Aloha Aina type of tasks. That's our big motivation. Um, we're choosing sensors to initially monitor water quality. So, you know, I've talked to a number of uh, environmentalist uh, types of people, and um, they pointed me in the direction of a sensor package. And um, so we're looking to purchase something in the, you know, within the next month or so that's going to be measuring uh, water temperature, maybe dissolved oxygen, pH. Um, and other, you know, quality indicators to help you or to help the at least the user understand um, their water more, uh, more, you know, mm. thoroughly. Mm-hmm. So do and you, indi- you know, on, on top of that raw data, we start layering um, algorithms, algorithms that not only can help us process that raw data and hopefully give us some more actionable information but also algorithms that can help us correlate what we're measuring now with potentially, you know, what was done in the past. And that's the big connection that I'd like to make. 
Mm-hmm. So how was um, these practices performed in the past? Why were they so sustainable? Can we correlate what we're doing now with what was done by the ancient Hawaiians in the past? And can we pull back some of those practices and make them relevant now? Mm-hmm. I know um, it was a very sustainable culture. I know that the Hawaiians were amazing agriculturalists, environmentalists. Um, but how do we apply that in the real world? And I'm hoping by putting out these sensors, taking these measurements, and being able to somehow correlate you know, what's happening now with what practices were performed in the past, that we can somehow leverage you know, the insights of our kupuna. Yeah, that's very good. Very impressive and obviously fairly ambitious in terms of something to build uh, on a short time frame. Uh, and I, what I wanted to know is, well, Nicole, you've been participating in all the different hackathons. I always see you there. Sometimes it's build something tonight. Sometimes it's build something over a weekend. Uh, the Purple Prize gave you a couple months, maybe three months. Three months, so yes. So what was the development process like on that longer time scale? Was it a benefit or were there opportunities for you to go off track just because you had so much time to get distracted? So during those three months, you have to come up with a project and um, work on it with your team in a way that's integrated into your life. I've noticed that um, the other hackathons are really fun. If you're only taking two days to work on something, you might as well do something that takes you far outside your comfort zone, steps out of your life, steps out of the things you would normally do. And it's, it's a good way to connect with people because you will find you know, other people who have you know, various expertise and you can fit it together and meet people for the first time and just work with them and have a great time. Mm-hmm. But with this project, you know it's going to be three months and then you have also... Um, hopes for it to continue much further. So you're putting it together in a way that's just integrated with your whole life in a way that um, fits with um, what uh, you are as a team and as individuals. And I think because of that, it also lays the foundation for things to be continued in the future. Well, you know, so I want to I wanna talk a little bit about how that continues in the future and how you actually incorporated it into your life because, I mean, you already have a very busy life, so <laughs> I'm, I'm curious to hear how it, it now has influenced, you know, how you actually, uh, you know, we woven it into your life. But before we do that, I want to welcome Tom from Maui to Bite Marks Cafe. Welcome to the show. Hi there. Hi. Really enjoying the show. Thank um, you. And I've been an itinerant, I could call it, uh, community farmer here on Maui for 16 years. And the problem that I always come across for both myself and other farmers that come here to work and want to work and want to grow food here is the incredibly high cost of the land. Mm-hmm. You can't buy it outright to farm on. You can't carry debt service and farm at the same time. So I love this idea, Nicole, of having people who have land and want to grow on it get together with people who know how to grow food. I guess my question is, how can we take it beyond technology and having a website and get it into the community where some of the people won't ever get on the web that maybe want to be involved? You know, well, We need to have community-based meetings is what I'm saying. Well, that's a great question. And I think, uh, Tom, I mean, you basically asked the question that I wanted to ask of Nicole, which is, how do you get Garden Hui actually implemented and in the hands of people like Tom to now work the land? That's great. I think people like Tom are going to be wonderful as ambassadors for us and to help spread the word about Garden Hui. Uh, I agree. 
we can't expect um, everyone to go to GardenHawaii.com to sign up because we know that a lot of the people this might be a good fit for could be um, elderly people who are aging in place, for instance. And um, we are trying to make connections with organizations that might help us reach out to them. Uh, we also um, hope to you know, do a lot of just walking around neighborhoods and talking to people and um, go to community events. But it's we have a small team right now. Mm-hmm. So uh, right now, I would say uh, Joe Hale Kalani, who's mm-hmm. also on my team, um, he's actually the one who came up with the idea of adopt a kapuna in terms of you know, taking care of um, an elderly person's yard that grew into that concept for Garden Hui. Um, so he's actually been doing a lot of the discussion and outreach for us. And... Um, you know, a lot of <laughs> the matching, too, um, before we had the website. Um, and even now, since, you know, we're still building out features on the website, uh, he's uh, just, you know, doing that hard work of um, going out and talking to people and, you know, figuring out where there can be a potential um, relationship. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. Uh, I think, Tom, if you want to get involved, that's great. <laughs> Please do go and oh, sign I up. I definitely do. It's a, one of the best ideas I've heard in a long time. Fantastic. It's been brewing in my mind like this for years, how to get this connection between people who have the land that we need and the farmers that want to work it, and, and, it, and not have to come out of pocket twenty or $30,000 to start a farm. <laughs> Absolutely. Or hundreds, even. Well, well thanks, Tom, for, uh, for that call and, and for getting uh, Nicole to share her idea of, of sort of spreading this uh, aloha across the entire state. So I'm, I'm, I'm curious to hear how, uh, Nicole, you, you have plans to perhaps uh, uh, take it to the neighbor islands and, and actually, you know, interact with a lot of the, the participants that might be interested, like Tom. Uh, but, uh, Dale, I mean, what do you have plans in terms of uh, taking your project to the next level? We have a place um, on part of Ahui, um, and we have uh, some land, 32 acres in uh, Waihe'e, Maui, mm-hmm. of Pailoko. And there is a little pond there, a little wetland there um, that I am caretaker for. So my initial first steps will be focused around that wetland, that pond. Mm. But, I mean, some of the ideas I've been discussing with other people are, um, there are two wonderful um, um, ponds on Maui, one on the North Shore and one on the South Shore, Kealia Pond and uh, Kanahaha Pond on the North Shore. And what I'd like to do, if, you know, if the state lets me, is to maybe deploy two sensors, one at each pond, and do a compare and contrast um, and kind of see. So one pond, you know, is visually very um, striking. It's very healthy. You see the native birds there. You see all types of, um, you know, uh, water flowing. And you know, the smell is, is just that sweet smell of uh, the sea. And the other pond is not that way. And why is that? What is happening? What's different about the two? That'd be an interesting um, project to no, that's, and, uh, that's, apply this technology to. That's now, great, Dale. Kiola, I mean, you went through some of the criteria of selecting the winners of the Purple Prize, and we're very glad to be able to feature some of them. But in many hackathons, obviously, sustainability, not in merely the environmental sense, but in the business sense, in the survivability and pr- the ability of, a, of, a, of an enterprise to continue forward is always an important criteria as well. So what do you foresee now that the Purple Prize has been named, the winners have been named, and they're trying to take these ideas forward? Uh, what are the challenges or opportunities that you see for it to continue 
forward from this point without the Purple Prize behind them? I think it's just um, flushing out ideas. Um, I, I think that the caller who called in had a great Tom, yeah. he had a great um, extension on Nicole's concept on getting more people involved, um, approaching it from a business standpoint and really digging digging deep into the ground on it, and also finding out more ways to and this is not my term, but um, <laughs> monetize. Uh, mm-hmm. the idea, the, the word, yeah, that was, <laughs> I, I don't know if it was Kamuela or if it was Donovan or who came up with that, but it's pretty brilliant. I mean, it, it, it goes back to, um, the, you know, it, it, when we talk about Kupuna, um, what we had over, I believe over a lot of people, a, a lot of societies or a lot of cultures, it was, it was this really, really intricate uh, understanding of, of our en- environment <clears throat> and how to, uh, and how to observe just sit and observe you know a lot of time to just see and come up with solutions and that's good design and um and if you want true mana you have to you have to build your ike mm-hmm. and you know you have to you have to know what you're doing so mm-hmm. all of this stuff plays into that um and i would love to see more concepts come out of it and um see this thing grow. I do like that though. Mana tie. Mana tie. It's not mine. I don't want to take credit for it. (laughs) I'll give it. (laughs) Nicole, uh, so your, you know, your idea obviously has uh, resonated with, uh, with folks, uh, you know, uh, like our caller Tom and, uh, but without, let's say some financial backing, I mean, how do you see self-financing the progress of Garden Hui? I admit that's going to be challenging. Um, I'm fortunate that, uh, one of our other team members, Russell Vea, is a developer. Mm-hmm. So basically, he's able to help us out and um, put together some things that will be useful for um, people to share information on the site. But it's still um, a lot of you know work. We're just you know doing things here and there, designing logos, designing you know informational sheets, business cards, that kind of thing. Um, I feel like we've done a lot of the the foundation, mm-hmm. you know. So that was something that was great um, to have from the competition. And I'm looking forward to having more of the, you know, fun things and gardening days, uh, work days, gleaning, that sort of thing as so we go forward. is that the part that you have, uh, I guess, seen it influence your life? I mean, it because you are, you know, are a participant in, in uh, Purple Prize, it introduced you to this whole concept of Oloha Aina. And, you know, if you're going to do a garden hui, you got to kind of work, you know, work the <laughs> land. So has that been the part that has woven itself into your life? Um, I think just the teamwork uh, between Russell and Joe and I has mm-hmm. been, you know, it's I've gotten used to, you know, talking to them on a pretty much continuous basis through Slack. Uh, <laughs> Slack. So, you know, we're always sharing articles about, you know, new forms of sustainable agriculture and projects that people are working on in other places. Well, you, you know. got to, you know, you got to tell me when you're going to get out to Maui and, and rally your troops that are already now forming on Maui. <laughs> right, I like it. And Dale, how about you? I mean, how do you go from your, your one wetland to many or even all? Uh, yeah, that that's, you know... That's a big challenge. Um, right now, I'm looking at um, sensors, and I'm looking at um, so these are off the grid sensors. Mm-hmm. I, I don't have the luxury of power right. or communications. So how do I make that happen for these sensors? Um, I'm just looking into the technology right now. What I'd eventually like to do. So we start with the wetlands, but then we evolve into wetland agriculture, and then we evolve again into dryland agriculture. I mean, these are sensors and these are information technologies that 
you know, that can be leveraged in many applications. So um, we're starting out with wetlands. Mm -hmm. um, it's probably going to be the biggest challenge trying to understand how to deploy these sensors, collect the right data, keep them going for weeks, months, possibly years, you know, self-sustained sensors, giving us free data, sharing that data with communities of caretakers or cultural practitioners, and then really evolving this over the long term. Well, you know, I understand that there there is an interest on the part of a number of, of major stakeholders, I think the government being one of them, to come up with ways to encourage the idea of sustainable ag in Hawaii. And certainly incorporating technology and sensors and data sharing, open data, certainly an interest of mine as well. Right. So, so I think uh, we definitely kind of want to keep in touch with everybody and, and see if there a, you know, are other opportunities to reconvene with some of these ideas and, and perhaps take them you know, to the next level. So, Nicole, where can people find out more about uh, uh, Garden Hui and, and maybe sign up and maybe you know, take it on the road with you? Gardenhui.com. Uh -huh. Very yeah. easy to remember. Very Dale, easy. is there a way for people to get in touch with you or look up your work? Um, unfortunately, right now, it, it was a prototype that um, was, you know, run for the, uh, the competition. Uh -huh. um, it's it's going to be running on Amazon Web Services initially. Um, nice and and you know, when that time comes to have, you know, people visit it and, and, and beat against it, um, we're going to put out the word. Fantastic. And Keola, I mean, uh, anything you want to share about uh, how you're going to keep the momentum going with this? I'm 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 on I'm on the wall when Donovan needs me on the wall. Fantastic. Okay, <laughs> yeah, we're gonna look for you. And where can people learn about Fitted, which is a great um, yeah, FittedHawaii.com. Very good. Fantastic. Go check that out. Well, Dale Naoleva is uh, the, the the key guy behind IoT or uh, uh, Internet of Things for wetlands, and of course uh, Nicole Hori created Garden Hui and Keola Raposo from Fitted the Jur one of the jurors for Purple Prize. We want to thank you all for joining us today. Thank you so much. Thank you for okay, having me. Mahalo. Thank you for having me. And thank you for listening to Bite Marks Cafe. Join us next week when we'll explore the world of esports, fantasy football, and accelerators. And, of course, if you miss any part of this edition, you can find the podcast of tonight's show on bitemarkscafe.org. And if you have any comments or suggestions, feel free to email us. That email is feedback at bitemarks.org. You can also find us on Twitter. I'm at bitemarks. And you can follow me at Hawaii. Our engineer is Rob Carlisle, and our executive producer is Beth Ann Kozlovich. And we leave you with our song pick of the week. Here's a, here's a band called Geowolf and a song called Saltwater. See you next week on another edition of Bite Marks Cafe.